0: Everyone and welcome to the American Scouser podcast. That was way too zoomed in for my liking, especially for us uh, to over here when this down to two people. But we are back after. Well, as we get ready for the World Cup over here, I'm your host as always, Timuchin. and with us today is Galley. Only Galley, what's happening?
1: Oh, not too much. Just uh, trucking through another Monday. Excited to uh, actually get to review a victory that we performed well in which is I I feel shocking and a little dirty. Yes, but yes. exciting. I mean
0: I think it was uh yeah a lot to talk about in that game kind of like a couple of performances to dissect so that should be interesting. Alan is with us as always. Alan what's happening? Um Bickler is not with us today. He's actually flying back home. He should be landing shortly, I think, or somewhere in the air. He spent the last four or five days in Chicago, and I had that, like, I can sense a disturbance in the force feeling the last four or five days over here knowing bickler is somewhere close uh he was hanging out with ari and uh never got a chance to get together because as much as ari would like to meet a turkish celebrity properly uh kind of wanted those two guys to hang out and uh enjoy some father-son time they were all over chicagoland but no bickler today he is flying back but you know what i am very proud of that guy not only because he came to chicago in in this goddamn cold weather because that takes a lot of courage by itself uh but I literally got a message last week and I was at like Layla's events. Uh, She was getting like an award for like arts and stuff like that. So we're there. Uh, There's a lot of talking going on in these things, by the way. Uh, so, So I'm able to look at my phone, but I got a message saying, hey, Bicklet is doing trivia without you. And I almost felt like a tear rolled down my cheek, was so proud. I don't think you were as proud, were you?
1: I I mean I was ready to bring up the logo and make a joke, and then I bring up the logo to make a joke, and the asshole's like, and I have a question. I was like, You I thought we were in this together. I thought we were teammates. You are he'll get it. There'll be I another like how
0: he event. On the tradition. He says he hates it, but you know deep down he loves it. Alan is asking what the temperature is. You know what, Alan? I'm not going to give you the pleasure of answering that because I know you're going to come back and say how nice it is in Houston. So I will not give you the pleasure, sir. I can tell you this. It's cold as fuck and it's supposed to snow. So (laughs) So I'll leave it at that. But to torture you further, we still have... Trivia question because hey, if you guys can do it without me, I definitely have to do it when I'm here. So, this is a World Cup related one. Uh, BJ was asking, man, he's been actually gathering some information, uh, regarding Liverpool and World Cup. So, I thought this was a good one over here. Uh, the let's see, let me get the question right so you don't have to ask which LFC player has scored the most goals in World Cup matches. See, I knew Alan would be bragging about his temperatures is like 54 here. Dude, it wasn't even like a high of fifty-four here during the day. Leave alone at night. So highest score. I was actually shocked to hear this. To be honest with you, I, I I'm not
1: I'm gonna, gonna, I'm you gonna, you gonna the, lie.
0: I knew the answer, kind of a thing. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I I don't really. I'm not going to get this right. Um, I know that for a fact. I'm trying he to should think who,
0: if he wasn't on the plane, he would have called in with the answer. You think
1: he'd have any goddamn clue? No, he would be like, bullshit. which world cup, like this world, he'd cup be like, he'd be that. like, is it were they playing for Liverpool at the time? <laughs> Was it this? And and to be fair, he is always just giving me time to think of answers. Um, <laughs> I genuinely am not sure. I do remember a few goals for Spain. Um, I'll say Fernando Torres cause I know he scored more than three for Spain in a world cup, but I don't believe it's the right answer.
0: See, I thought I w- that was like one of my guesses. I thought maybe Well, like I don't feel as like stupid. Like I just Olin. feel
1: semi-stupid.
0: Uh, the correct answer is Michael Owen with four hmm. goals. Uh, two uh, each in 98 and 2002, two each for, obviously, England. Hunt is a good guess. Uh, he's actually a tie for the next spot with three. Um, and Gerard also has three.
1: So See, I thought, I, would, I would never I, I have guessed Gerard. good,
0: good shots. Cause I thought, like I say, I was kind of shocked and I was like, Oh
1: really? And
0: like, he had to like, made him literally double check his numbers and have BJ doubt his stats over there. But yeah,
1: it is. Owen, I never, uh, with, I never, ever, ever would have guessed Gerard to be honest. Um, just because he didn't have that many great, I can't remember that many great England moments. I'd have to like really rack it back to try no, to think of those goals. Some-
0: Games where, you know, they've kind of like really uh, beat up on some people uh, in the World Cup. Uh, Thank God they never played Turkey. They've beaten up on Turkey a couple of times in uh, like eliminations and things like that. But they've had some like games where they've been able to do that. And I'm assuming that's where some of these goals came from. So if you have watched those games and remember them, just go ahead and share and let us know. But that was the trivia this week. We did not skip it. I got to follow in Bickler's footsteps and make sure we have it every week. But That's a lot a to get path. to today with the World Cup coming up and stuff. I want to kind of get your opinion on a couple of things like that. I mean, we talked a bit about it in this morning's uh coffee show. And if you are not following it, morning coffee or tea. I am my coffee. Alan over here who's commenting always brings his tea. Uh, But join us every morning, 8 o'clock Central uh, for about 30 minutes or so uh, with different guests, uh, we kind of take a look at the headlines. And now with the World Cup coming, we're going to spend the rest of the week kind of like previewing the different groups. And once the World Cup starts, obviously, it's going to be more World Cup focused. I'd rather stay away from, I mean, aside from the daily Ronaldo updates uh, is in terms of what he said now. Who did he throw under the bus now? Aside from that, I think that's going to be it for the most part. But let's get to the game first. Then we'll go to the World Cup altogether. You were talking about when we first started that overall, it's a pretty impressive performance. Uh, we get that goal from a set piece, but then give it right back. By the way, you know me, Gally. I hate to toot my own horn. You know, that's not me. But not only did I call the score. <laughs> Everybody who listens knows, damn it. But <laughs> But not only did I call the score, I even called how Southampton would score their goal. Um, uh, what do you make of that first half? What do you make of the lineup? Um, does let me start with the lineup, I guess, first and get your take. Is Elliott's as of now the third starting midfielder in this lineup ahead of, for example, Henderson?
1: Yes. He has displaced Jordan Henderson as the starting midfielder for this side, in my opinion. Uh, we've seen it enough now over 15 matches. With Henderson fit, he is still getting starts. So for me there, I think there is something to that. I've always, I feel like there's something off with Jordan this year anyways, and the rest probably isn't the worst thing. Uh Didn't shock me to see him not start this match, even if he hadn't picked up the knock with his older bones and on his way to Qatar. Um, But for me, Harvey Elliott has put himself in the frame as an everyday starter. I don't know that he's... There yet to be a first team 11 player at a club of this size with this type of aspirations. But right now, the way we're set up, he's, he is our starting midfielder on the right hand side.
0: I mean, this game, we were talking about it. We recorded the premier league show earlier and we saw, you know, we were talking about city and we saw the city game before this game, obviously on Saturday. And a lot of the minds were, It at least felt like a lot of the brains were at the World Cup. Like, up here, I'm already gone kind of a thing. And the game was played like that, especially for City. They were not themselves. I guess people could be having a poor game, but I got that sense where a team plays poorly when they have like a big Wednesday Champions League game or something like that. And that's like the feeling I got. As opposed to that, it felt like, especially in the first half, Liverpool came out with a mission in mind. And it's probably the most fluid we have looked attacking, especially at home. Do you give that credit to us or do you give that credit to Southampton and the way they approached it?
1: I give that credit to us because I do think, unlike City, right? And I think that was a good analogy there, kind of parallel, of what you were pulling to. I think both sides went about the pending World Cup a little differently. I think the city players played it as if it's kind of a training ground match and we just got to figure out how to get the win here against Brentford, make sure we don't get hurt and just go through the paces. I felt like Liverpool came out like they were told, let's get out blazing. Let's get up two, three goals by the half. And if we can coast a little bit in the second half, we'll make some substitutions and we can prepare for the World Cup. But maybe that's the difference. City wanted to get three points and put the pressure on Arsenal, right? To maybe slip up and they'd be top of the table. But let's not kid ourselves. City's not chafed one bit about being five points back to Arsenal right now. They still feel like they're the most talented side and they're going to win this league. Liverpool needed three points to go into this World Cup break. So I think we came out with a different verb and a different onus on the match. Um, So I do think it was more about what we did early because we were buzzing. Um, and we'll get to my main man, Bobby Firmino's goal. Good thing. How that guy went
0: from the doghouse good to thing be your main man. Hey, hey is, is good thing Good
1: thing I never gave up on him and was supportive <laughs> of him all along, um, unlike some of the other Fairweather fans on this Yeah, podcast, I got to
0: get our Dickler. video editor on um, this so he can go back and click. Oh, no, no no, 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 all no, no. Kinds there's of no
1: smack no, on poor Bobby. Zero. Uh, zero. Zero. Uh, there's zero evidence of that. But no, and I, I do think, though, we have to – it would be unfair to talk all about us and not acknowledge that Southampton, as a new manager, brand new, had less than 48 hours to work with this team and clearly doesn't even know all of their names yet because when he needed to change the match in the second half, he went to the ghost of Theo Walcott. And for the plain fact that he called I'm on Theo Walcott – Like, made me think to himself, like, he was looking at his bench and he was like, wait, I see one Premier League guy. Problem is, he was a Premier League player in 2009. (laughs) Theo. Theo. Take you your seven in, chins in. Take your seven chins in. He's got one of them LeBron James beards, which is purely so no one knows he weighs 35 pounds more than he did at Arsenal. I, I was not throwing it at you, my friend. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I I, I know we're going to get deeper into the match itself. Um, but from the lineup standpoint, I like the way that they attacked what was a weakness of Southampton, which was the organization of the defense. And I really like the way, Nunez, especially was creating chaotic moments all over the pitch. And you can almost tell they're right back new about five minutes in Ah, bleep. This kid's even better than I thought. I
0: think he poses. I mean, man, as I watch him and as I watch this front line, and I think it's almost like getting better and better in terms of like how they interact Bobby is a key part in that, obviously, but like the interplay and stuff like that between, uh, I mean, that setup that uh, Nunez had, I think, was that to Mo or Bob? No, it was the Bobby, right? Like the way they set up the triangles and stuff like that, it seems a lot more fluid. And obviously with time, it's going to get better. It's my only question moving forward is down the road, as I watch the game and I'm like, man, just imagine if you have a fast Diaz on the left hand side as well. And you have Nunez in the middle with Mo on the right-hand side. That is a very, very scary trio to face as a defender because they got all the speed in the world so they can take you to the line and they can cut in and crack a shot at any given moment. Uh, But would we miss what Bobby brings, being the huge fan of Bobby, you are suddenly, uh, would would we miss what Bobby brings to the interplay there? Does he have to be there somehow?
1: I I think he he probably does for a bit of it. And, I you know, we've been talking about this, though. Like, you know, there's still a clamoring for pushing Mo more centrally because the more centrally he is, the more looks at goal he actually gets. I I think there is a world where we actually see Nunez on the left, Mo through the middle, Diaz on the right, and Bobby behind. And I think those four attackers gives us the best actual – Attacking play we have. And I think you could also rotate then and say, well, if you have to take Diaz out and sit him, you could then play Jota through the middle, move Mo back out right. I feel like Darwin Nunez is crafting and creating a position for himself on the left flank, whether that's a front two or a front three, or he's just playing out on the wing. I, I think he does so much from out wide on the left. And I think we're seeing that he can create goals, he can score goals, and he can take on defenders. And you even started to see some of that really good link-up play with with Robertson. That, let's be totally fair, we really haven't seen click yet with Diaz, even going all the way back to last year. Yeah. It has never oh. worked with Robo. So, you know, I don't want to say, oh, Mo's got to play in the middle because I love Mo on the right. But if we're going to keep our guys so wide, Then maybe it is Mo through the middle with Bobby or Jota behind him. And then eventually Carvalho. And I just think that when we get all of them back, we're actually going to see what it's like to have five or six really classy attackers that can all interchange. And I think we're finally starting to see it, but it scares me to move Darwin back to the middle. When Diaz comes back, I'm not going to lie because he looked a little lost at the beginning of the season when he was playing through the middle. And we moved him out wide to where he was playing so well for Benfica. And I think we're seeing the player everyone thought we were buying. This guy that just creates problems for the opponent. And I just don't know he does as much of that through the center. Maybe eventually he will, but, you know, I was just so impressed with him. Uh, and it wasn't just the goals. I mean, that, the, the, the move he has, the great run he has, and he tries the, like, perfect one-time ball to Mo and the defend in the first half before we even scored the first goal, it was arguably the best pass he's made yet because he knew what he needed to do, right? He got in space and he sent the ball at the right time and the defender made a great play, but if he doesn't, Mo taps that shit in. Yes. And I I feel like what we're seeing on a Nunez is small increments every week to the all-round player that he can be. And then we see the glimpses of just the, you know, the Tasmanian devil that he is on the pitch. Because literally you could see that guy and there is a spinning ball of shit flying around him everywhere he goes. That's
0: the part that partially scares me, though, because against the Southampton team like we had. You can set the devil, the Tasmanian devil loose. You know what I mean? You can be like, go at it. I think when you play against some better teams, the spaces he leaves behind, especially when he's on the wing, I feel like can be more dangerous. The pressing game and how much of it he will learn and be a part of, especially, I mean, if he's in the middle, even if he's on the wing on the left hand side, because you do sometimes see him, we didn't see it as much this game because really, Southampton didn't have that much possession, or they were smart enough to get the heck out of there and not really try to build as much and kind of like absorb that press, but you can kind of see at times Nunez go out of position within that crazy mindset but like you say it's a step at a time and it's something that's improving as I watch I'm trying to in my head put Diaz in there too and we're totally forgetting Jota by the way who could be that piece in the middle too because he likes that spot in the middle and he's like probably like the best header of the ball really well maybe after Nunez now but it's I'm having trouble kind of like trying to figure out. It's almost like it's a good problem to have, I guess, but too many good guys trying to fit in those three spots. And if you put the Bobby back in that spot that we were like talking about, you know, kind of like handing it to Elliott, does that concern you defensively?
1: Putting Bobby in the 10 hole. If you put
0: Bobby, I mean, you're basically going to a four, two, three, one. Does that worry you defensively or do you just basically keep your backs in the back and, not push it, Trent and Robo up as much.
1: It doesn't worry me as much as long as at least one of the fullbacks is hanging back. And I will say we've kind of seen that, haven't we? I mean, Trent has not been taking up the same positions he had been taking up earlier in the season and parts of last year. I, I feel like we've almost shifted the pitch to tell Trent, like you can go forward, but only to so much of an extent. Part of that I think is, is Elliot offers more creativity on the right-hand side. Than, and link up play with Mo than, say, Jordan does, because that's just the style of his play. And the other is, is that, you know, I think Klopp has slightly adjusted Trent's positioning in our tactics to help him defensively. Because there's only so many times you can go to the podium and say, it's not his fault I tell him to stand in those spots when he leaves space behind. And then eventually the reporter's like, well, can you do us a favor and just stop telling him to leave so much space behind? Like, could he defend a little bit better? Like, and I think it's happened. I mean, the most shocking thing to me is through 15 matches, Trent Alexander-Arnold doesn't have an assist in the Premier League. That is shocking. And I think
0: that's kind of like because of how we played in the beginning. And that took basically Mo kind of took over that creating spot. Yep. I know like everybody's complaining about, you know, like his lack of scoring. But he kind of became the the provider and like the creator just was tied to that timeline, like the sideline way too much. And I think you kind of seen that less and less now too with you know setting up those triangles he's making those runs into the box a lot more definitely looked a lot more fluid especially when we were attacking we do give up the set piece goal uh which i mean we were talking about the Premier league show it's kind of like putting it in the perfect spots. but then i think even more impressively we bounce back and honestly that was the first half that i watched where I had confidence that we were going to get goals just the way we were attacking, just the way we were connecting. Whereas there are some games where, you know, we talk on a Discord channel and we're like, where is the goal going to come from? I just never got that sense this game. It almost was like, it's going to come. I mean, you could kind of see it the way things were unfolding.
1: Yeah, I I actually felt like they should have scored more in the first half than they did. I mean, you know, we talk about Allison and Allie was great again. I mean, let's be real. He's the player of the year so far, and it's going to take a lot for a player to supplant him from that mantle. Because if we end up getting to where we want to be top four, somehow a title chance being a run for a cup, it's also going to all be because he laid the foundation early in the year when we couldn't stop anything yeah, and he was stopping everything. So, um, you know, great job by Allie at the same time. I thought the young keeper for Southampton played outstanding. He could have been in better positioning, obviously, for Bobby's header. He just took one step forward, and once he did, he was done. Um, but he made two or three really, really class saves, or it could have been four or five by the half. I mean, n- Mo should have scored in the first half. Darwin should have scored in the first half before they did. And then Darwin gets you the brace. You're up three to one. And it, it honestly, from there, it never even, never really put me in a peril moment i never wanted to see it get the 3-2 because well i've been watching since august and i know what happens when we're up by one we can see it again um but i i i, I felt that um bring that up um i i i felt uh, we have to talk about this he is every bit on par he is a very, very good goalkeeper, and he's starting in the Premier League. I had this argument with Jamie last week. I'll have it again. If Kelleher wants to be the number one for Ireland, he needs to leave Liverpool Football Club in search of first-team football because that kid's 21 yeah, guys years old. You
0: like the whole Keller conversation.
1: <laughs> no, but that kid's 21 years old and playing every day. And honestly, when you talk about your backup goalie, it usually means that your starter's not that good. It's like the backup quarterback in the NFL. If you're really clamoring for the backup quarterback, it's really an indication on your current.
0: Because Ali was getting, it felt like he was getting injuries regularly, where a backup goalie situation was a lot more important than before. I will be just worried of, I think you're right for probably, I mean, we totally went off subject by the way, Uh, no. but you know, for Keller's future, for him to be a starter, Yes, he definitely has to go somewhere else, and he probably is ready for it. I just don't know if he is – I mean, for us, it would be that good of a move unless we're really banking on it because Murphy's Law, the moment you let him go, something will happen to Ali again.
1: And I've always said, right, a lot of times when we talk about transfers on this program and others, I don't say I want the player sold. I speak sometimes as if I were the player. The player wants to play. I know he re-upped, but he was angling for a move this summer and then got asked to stay. I don't know that we hold on to him much longer because he is he every time he gets a chance to play, he shows himself as a number one keeper. I mean, he won a cup last year on his boot. I mean, literally. He was outstanding. He just won us another big match in the league cup and he's going to have another big start coming up in December against city. And I hope he gets another trophy for himself. He's on the mural. It will always be memories. And I'm sure there'll be a sell on clause or a buyback clause, but if he doesn't go play, he's not going to get to play. And that's just, I mean, Ali's got six to eight more great years.
0: Yeah, with Ali's age, exactly. I mean, he—you're going to be sitting around. It's not and a I don't knock. Think anybody wants to sit around for that? Anybody who's competitive to make it this level is content with like sitting around for that, that long. Alan is asking if there was anyone that we saw a potential to buy from Southampton. And the funny thing is, we just talked about this when we were kind of in our uh, morning show, which we actually featured uh, a contributor from like LFC in uh, Jamaica. And we were talking about it. And Trevor, who joins me in the morning show, is saying that the people with the hyphenated name in Southampton, because everybody we looked at, we were like, we'd be interested in it. Somehow had a hyphen. There's a lot of hyphens on that team. But uh, going back to the game, because we totally got off topic here. Uh, Let's go back to this. Uh, Jane was talking about, we were talking about Elliot. He's doing fantastic, but he can be rotated. And knows he has more to learn. Anybody who pulls off those passes, and we're still talking about it. Exactly. I mean, I think some of the things he does on the field are pure class for a kid his age. I guess my concern still is defensively, especially knowing when, you know, you have on Trent on the right-hand side, on his side.
1: I, I still struggle at times with uh, Elliot defensively. I think at times he's still learning on the job, which is something I've always said and something I've always kind of worried about was that we force our young players to actually play through their developmental periods instead of letting them play with the youth teams and make mistakes that don't really matter. We allow guys to make mistakes at the top club level. Um, Maybe that's part of our squad depth. Maybe that's based on how Klopp likes to bet in players. Jurgen Klopp clearly believes Harvey Elliott is ready both offensively and defensively because he's starting him when his captain is healthy and when one of his players that's so important in Fab is so out of form and he has a ready-made replacement in Henderson and he's still starting Elliott over both of them. So for me, Jurgen Klopp has come to grips with whatever deficiencies Elliott has going backwards. He offers more to the side going forwards. Do you agree? And I will say, Personally, I don't.
0: I all don't, right, but I gonna... don't know that
1: I know enough about the inner workings of what's working here and not. Because I put a lot of blame at times on the midfield role and fab, right? Yet, then I listen to people tell me that it's Trent's defending. Like, you were a defender at the college level. You know, you played all your life growing up. You have been very critical specifically to, like, some of Trent's actual, like, man-on defending. And then I hear Klopp say the absolute opposite when he speaks. So, like, I know what my eyes tell me. My eyes tell me I'm more comfortable when Henderson's on the pitch. My eyes honestly tell me at times I was more comfortable when Kato was on the pitch because I felt like he was in a little bit more control in the position. I still think we need more adults in the room as options in the midfield. Yeah. Which comes back to get me three... Buy me the three midfielders we needed in the summer. And I think Harvey Elliott is a great story, changing matches from the bench and playing in some league cups. I think he's being forced to start for Liverpool way too early in his career. Because of I think that, that will up.
0: give the time that, you know, I think like Jamie's talking about in terms of the kind of like learning, still can learn on the job, maybe get those like 20 minutes, 30 minutes and stuff like that, a game, like on a game like this, he comes in in the second half, for example, against like Southampton uh, in that midfield, like to kind of like be the more creative player and stuff like that. I mean, going back to Trent, I think Klopp says that because mm-hmm. a lot of the criticism that Trent gets are by people just looking at his positioning. So we get a goal considered from the right-hand side. It was like, where's Trent? Well, I mean, that's not necessarily always Trent's fault. What I criticize about Trent's defending is when Trent is already freaking there and he should be defending. And it's kind of like losing his man, not turning, you know, looking over his shoulder. Like some of the basics things or knowing – it's almost like he sometimes baits that pass down the sideline but not be able to stop it. Because if you're baiting it, you better stop it. And, you know, like things like that that he does – is what I more concern myself with defending wise. I think Klopp kind of sticks up for him because a lot of the criticism that I see online or, you know, even like pundits and stuff like that is like, well, Trent should be back there. Well, we don't know that because we don't know what Klopp is giving in terms of instructions. But when you like- are back there, we know how you defend the give and go. We know how you look over your shoulder. Those are, I think, like the things. And I think that's why I concerned it, you know, when like Elliot's being there, not in a game like this, but I think more against a tougher opponent. I don't think, you know, a game like this, Southampton posed enough of a threat to be worried about the fans to But let's get to the second half then. Having said that, because we talked about how Ali saved a bunch of, I mean, one on one, some ridiculous saves. Do you give that to the World Cup modes that we entered in the second half partially, or Southampton finally kind of like actually getting some courage to attack?
1: I think they got a little bit more courage to attack at the exact same moment. Our guys slid a little bit into, you know, World Cup speed. What time is the flight again? (laughs) I'm pretty sure Virgil figured it out at about the 65-minute mark, (laughs) right? He was like, yeah, I'm going to run here, but maybe not like full-out sprint. And don't get me wrong, no one was dogging it. But it wasn't like they were climbing up on people's backs to try to score on, you know, big time headers or like they weren't looking for contact. They weren't looking for collisions like they normally would. And I don't blame them. I just think that we knew we were up three to one. And as long as that match stayed three to one, we had nothing to worry about. And if they gave up a goal, right, if they gave up a goal, it was just three to two. And then we would go back on the on the front foot again. But I feel like as long as it was three to one, they were like, yeah let's let's get this through this 45-minute training session, make sure nobody gets hurt. We all go have our kumbaya and our tea in the dressing room, and then we all say goodbye for six weeks and go to our separate corner.
0: Yeah, I think it was more of a, yeah, I just put it on cruise control, and then they would take it off of cruise if we'd banked back to 3-2. But you know how it is. Once it's 3-2, is squeaky bump time. You never know a ball bounces the wrong way or like a call goes against us and stuff like that. But even so... As much as I worry as a lifestyle, I kind of like at watching that game, I figured, you know, even if it becomes 3-2, I had confidence for that team to kind of be like, uh, oh, I guess we got to go again and be able to get to Ford. It just was, felt like we were not chasing it. Maybe the front line was still chasing it. Those guys are always hungry for goals. But I think the way we played, and probably could be from instructions from club, we weren't as aggressive in terms of pushing up. And we did not want to give those spaces in the back. And even then, you know, Southampton was able to create. But uh, a great game by Ali. I mean, that was just like some ridiculous saves. Dude is so freaking good. But it's so, so good. Apart from I was talking about this this morning. I want to get your take. You look at the first. I mean, It's not even half. But so far this season, I feel like if we didn't have those two hiccups back to back, despite the poor starts, and some like disappointing performances and results. If that Lees and forest game, we could have actually won it as we should have. This does not seem as disastrous. To me, it's those two games that makes the beginning of the season more of a disappointment than anything else.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was thinking about it the other day. I'd even say let's just say we beat Forest, because that was a one-nil BS goal, right? It, everything was stupid from the kickball up, the ball bouncing off the goal post, just a, just a weird goal. Um, The former P- Liverpool player scoring it. Everything that added up. Let's just say we get three points at Forest like we should have. Even if we got a disappointing draw and Somerville doesn't get the late winner, give me those four points. We're in fifth place right now. Even with United on points, 11 goals, 12 goals ahead on differential. 13, actually, on differential. And we're three points outside of Spurs with a game in hand against the toothless Chelsea side for top four. I'm fine. If you give me all six, I tell you we're still in the title race, let alone – Really? You go that far, huh? Look, If you give us all six points, right? Give us all six points. We have 20 – game eight. in hands. We have a game in hand. We're four points behind City – that's it. I still I still look at City as the barometer of the team you are trying to catch for points because I believe at the end of the day, they will be the team at the top of the table. So, and Arsenal's game in hand is against City. Yeah. So, one of the two of them is dropping points. So, you know, we're right there. We're right there with a shout to everything if you give me those six points. Now, The eternal optimist, where's Jamie when I need him? Where's Megan when I need her? They'll tell you, well, if that's the case, then we're still right there. Get a couple results in January, buy a player or two. I believe the league is gone. That said, I firmly believe we will finish in the top four. I really do. Because I think this team has only its best football in front of it. And I think we will strengthen a little bit in January. I think we will get more players back healthy. This World Cup is very important. We need our four or five players playing in this World Cup to come home healthy. That is critical to me. Like, we can't have Darwin have an issue at the Cup. We we need them all to show up and get back healthy. And we need to attack starting December 22nd onward.
0: I think, yeah, because, I mean, we talked about this before. I think once Arsenal's Thursday games become a lot tougher than they have been, they're going to have a lot more issues because that stuff definitely adds up for one. Um, Yeah, and I think, like I say, that's what makes those two games extremely painful and disappointing for me because I don't know if we're in the title race, but at least you're in the conversation. And I agree with the top four, though. I really think, I mean, at one point, you know, people were... of like painting huge disaster scenes unless to be fair we were playing like it but i really think you know the way you see things now if we're able to add to that midfield because i think you know when you say getting the players back they're all coming to the front line for the most part and defense uh you know if you get like massive back and stuff like that for your back line and you get jota back and diaz back but for midfield unless you're counting keita Heck, Ox is back already. So it's not a lot of like reinforcements coming back there. So it has to be addressed, hopefully. If that midfield was a bit deeper and we made a couple of good additions. I can, yeah, I think like top four is very, very doable and we're not far off of it right now. So here's a good question. This is kind of, I kind of wanted to shift over to the, the World Cup conversation. Uh, Alan says, here's a question for you guys. Do the, players, do the players that play in the World Cup come back as ready for action, better prepared than the players who don't go to the World Cup? And I think with the World Cup, especially in the later rounds, I mean, not all, all our guys are going to make it to the later rounds and even if they do like you know like fab it's not like he plays a lot and stuff like that so i don't think the minutes wear and tear is not as much there with the world cups and any of these tournaments i always feel like the bigger factor is psychological factor more than actual like physical factor of the wear and tear of the games because really it's not as bad if you had to pick one player who you needs you feel like has to have a really good World Cup? Who would you pick? You pick one guy and say, "I want him to have the best World Cup." Psychologically, who would you pick?
1: As a, as a Liverpool, uh, as what a Liverpool, Liverpool player? player? Yeah. yeah, I just want to make sure I understood the question. I, that, that was in honor of Paul not don't, being. Don't don't pull away. a
0: bickler on me. Yeah. No,
1: no. Repeat the question. Gives you time to think of your bullshit answer. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's Nunez. Um, and my reasoning, and, and I do have a, a, a 1A, but I'm going to start with Nunez. And I would say it's Nunez for the primary focus point that he's a confidence player. He's a player who's just finding his way right now with Liverpool, a new club, new city, new language. I think he could go to this World Cup and announce himself as a star on the world stage like he did last year during the European, you know, during the, the Champions League. And I think if he does that, he comes back with confidence at an even higher level, right, than he had when he left, which right now I would argue his confidence is at an all-time high for Liverpool. I think if he goes and leads the line with Suarez and Uruguay does anything, um, I think it goes a long, long way. Um, That is never anything you want to admit in public, Alan. Never. Never. You just don't admit to agreeing with me. It's usually a surefire way to have someone tell you you're a fucking moron um, or just ask my wife. Uh, But I I think it's Nunez. How about you? Mr. Mute.
0: I was going to say Trent just because of what you said last about Nunez because I think he has built confidence as a Liverpool player over the last – month or so um if it was earlier like if you if we posed this question a month ago i might have probably said nunez as well because i think you know that's what he really needed get some goals build the confidence you know do some get some assists and be in the play and affect the scoreline and kind of show his value i feel like the last month we've seen that right i mean all these people who were saying i think holland was so high it made him look a lot lower because they're always going to be compared and with Holland is not light in the world and with his injury and stuff like that not as much you've seen you know Nunez score goals get assists and stuff like that and all these people who were kind of calling him a flop automatically have to kind of back up and I think that kind of helps his confidence but I think a guy who can really use a good World Cup defensively Attacking wise, to me, would be Trent. Because if Trent has a really solid World Cup, regardless of where England end up uh, or what round they end up, whatever happens, I think it would help him. Because I feel like out of all those players, he's probably lacking the most confidence.
1: I would, I mean, when I said earlier, like, I will go with Nunez because I think like he needs it. And I have a 1A for you. My 1A was Trent. Um, And I agree with everything you said about Trent. Here's the thing there are some rumblings that he's going to be 24, 25, or 26 and not even getting a jersey for the matches in Qatar. Like, the 26 men don't dress. Three guys don't get a shirt. And there's there's talk. <laughs> but there's talk that they're literally, like, he may not even. And, and it, would it really surprise you if Southgate did that? Because ultimately, what is Trent? He's almost like it's this enigma to Southgate. Like, let's be real. Southgate wishes that he had a fully fit Kyle Walker and a fully fit Reese James. Oh, yeah. Because he would have left Trenton, England. He wouldn't have even brought him to Qatar. Because every time he gives him a cap, what is the first thing that Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and all the pundits all ask him? How are you going to utilize this? How are you going to utilize your best fullback? And he's like, well, he's not my best fullback. He might be Liverpool's best fullback, but he's not England's best fullback. I mean, he's going to start trippier. He's going to start... I mean, I, I genuinely don't know that Trent's going to play that much in this World Cup. I could be totally wrong, um, but I, I I don't actually... I don't know that this is going to be a great experience for Trent.
0: See, Bo says he thinks... He says, I think Trent plays honestly. I think he plays... A few games. Um, He gets some minutes. I don't know if he's going to be when... He's not starting him over Luke Shaw or Trippier.
1: Period. He's, he's not definitely not it.
0: starting him. I don't think he's starting him, but I can see him coming off the bench and actually... I mean, I don't think he will start even let's say they win their first two games and they're like a lock for the next round and stuff like that maybe something like that but i think overall though he does see some minutes and i'm hoping those are solid minutes the worst case scenario would be not getting minutes and i mean actually getting some minutes but playing poorly in those and yeah boas is off the bench that's what's I'm agree with that. Uh, Thiago not going. He'll be ready to go when we return. Imagine winning the World Cup and trying to get up for Brantford away. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, in some ways, some of, our, some of our guys, going back to like what Alan was asking about earlier, I think is a good thing. Uh, for these, I mean, not for them, obviously. For Thiago and Bobby, I think Thiago is like whatever. I don't think Thiago is as devastated that he's not going as much as like, for example, Bobby is. Uh, but in some ways, these guys do need that rest. But I just hope to God we do not say, "Well, thank God they're not going; they're getting some rest," and not do anything and assume that there's, you know, Thiago is going to come back like he's like twenty-two again or something like that. Because
1: well, they're playing. They're playing. They have two friendlies in Dubai during the World Cup. Eh. No, but they're, the, Klopp has said they're training every day, and every player that is not released to a World Cup team is expected to stay in Liverpool. Well, There's only like a owners. chance for
0: them to get injured in practice. Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, pretty much. I mean, that's what <laughs> we do. I mean, the physios still have a job. The physios still get bonuses to Mucin. Um, so Ox will but- be out by next week. I I I mean listen if it was 2018 and Ox wasn't hurt he'd be gearing up for a World Cup right now. I mean you yeah, know, no shit, that, right? That's It was a huge that was a huge opportunity for Ox actually. That I mean, he was he was 4 years ago at this time coming off that Champions League run that you remind us about all the time that he blew his knee out, Ox was probably going to start in the midfield for yes. England in that World Cup that I mean, they went to the semifinals. finals
0: what great player Ox was before he got injured on the show. I don't know. I, I think it's this we'll guy. we have to you know, go back to the tape. I think
1: it's this guy in red. This is a guy, he's <laughs> yes, got all these smart takes after the fact, let me tell you. And, you and just ask Alan.
0: Shows Joe's back, I wonder. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about the World Cup real quick. Uh Starting this week in the morning show, we're going to kind of like take a look at the groups. And then I'm sure like throughout on the Mondays, we'll be talking about the World Cup. Uh, We'll wait for Bickler to do predictions and stuff like that. Because obviously it starts next Sunday and we'll be live. Hopefully with Bickler here, having had 85 burgers in Chicago, he'll hopefully still fit the screen and we'll be able to talk to him then. But where do you stand on the World Cup? Uh, Talking about it this morning, we were in a chat earlier on the Discord channel before we went on live. Uh, In terms of like watching, boycotting, how much are you going to be into it? Out of all these international games... Like, you know, I've watched over the years Euros and World Cup is my favorite over Euros just because it's kind of has different styles of play clashing against each other, like South American teams. I know that gap has changed over the years. It's not as unique as it used to be, but it's still different. You know, like a team from Africa taking on a team from Europe and stuff. I always find it a lot more interesting and a lot more fun to watch, like seeing those styles clash. Uh, but this is probably like the least excited I've been. I don't know if it's like the timing of it. I don't know if it's like all the, the drama behind it, but where do you stand
1: on that? So I usually rate the World Cup as like the top sporting event in the world, like, period. That's my favorite thing. So, um, and no, no, that is never Eagles, something get that this Touchdown and we got to get this No, get the Just, fuck out just so we're clear. <laughs> Just so we're clear on this goddamn podcast, that is never something that a New York Giants fan ever roots for, or someone from New England. Like, I don't root for anything positive in Philadelphia. I basically did everything I could during that weekend of the Fan Fest to not let people realize who I was. And thank God when I got drunk enough to scream out loud, they're just a bunch of... Eagles fans or I think I actually said dirtbag Philly fans and literally this guy behind me leaned over and went hey man you're in a Buffalo Bills bar but just so we're clear if you said that shit in the wrong place you'd be in trouble and I was like yeah I'm in Philadelphia, man. I'm in real trouble all the time.
0: Remind me not to go anywhere while you're drunk next time we go to the fan fest together because, yeah, I don't want to get my butt beat because
1: you're like, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. There are no sports fans in Orlando or Tampa. We're (laughs) safe. Um, so, Alex is the my only plans
0: to watch USA, England, and then the final. You're lying, Alan. You're going to watch. Yeah, I,
1: I, <laughs> I don't know how anyone can say this Of I'm going to watch. Now, I'll say this. You know, if my boss is listening, I'm not going to watch that much because it's supposed to be the busiest time of the year. for. Yes.
0: Me. What's his name? Let's
1: give a um, shout out. Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, but,
0: okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, BJ. It's the truth. Uh, (laughs) I take on, I take on whole communities at once. It's what I do. Um, But I look what I did to the poor people of Bournemouth, but I, I, uh, I look at it as I'm not going to give up something I love. Like literally, I'm not going to give up something I love as much as this purely because of the place in which it's happening. And some of the political unrest that comes with it. All that said, right?
0: By the way, Ellen says, wait, Gally has a boss. We're not talking about the wife, by the way. This is a oh no, 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 that's not, like not Kelly. Kelly should care boss. less. He already has a boss at home. He has two bosses. He had the wife, yeah. now he has the dog, and then occasion as well as professionally he has a different boss. So,
1: go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, they're all over the place. Trust me. I I don't let Timuchin kid yourself. He's the fourth boss. Um <laughs> But I, I I, look at it literally like two sides to the coin, right? There's the political side, and then there's the drama behind the World Cup. I want to take the social stuff out of it for a moment. I do want to get to it in our conversation, but part of my enjoyment being lost on this World Cup and not being as excited is, is that I love it in the summer. Summer is a slow time for me. It's a time where there's not football on the calendar, so I get to watch all these matches like – I'm thinking to myself, like I'd be in my buddy's yard in his barn on his outdoor TV, randomly showing up at 10 a.m. games or one o'clock games, and it would have been great. And instead, what we basically get given to us is, you know, for us, right? You and you in Chicago, me in the Northeast, we get this freezing cold, drizzly, gonna start snowing any minute, making me miserable. It's dark all day. And like I'm supposed to like take a hiatus from the Premier league. This thing I love during this time of year. So I can watch this world cup that I also have to hold my nose about all the other stories that I've been listening to for the last couple of years. So I think all that added up has taken away some of the bloom off the rose, but I'm not going to not watch. I can't boycott it because I'm real and I'm honest. And that's just the truth. Like I wouldn't boycott... I didn't boycott the NFL. I don't boycott NBA games. I'm not going to boycott...
0: I boycott Major League Baseball.
1: Well, you boycott Major League <laughs> Baseball because you clearly you clearly have no issue falling asleep at night. I watch baseball late at night because sometimes I can't sleep. Well, that also comes with, you know, being hopped up like you're on an eight ball of coke all the time. But that's just me. I digress.
0: Yeah, I think... I agree with that part. I mean, I think, first of all, it's too late in the game. I don't know if boycotting right now and not watching does anything. Because Qatar did not get this so they can make money and they hope for, like, high ratings and stuff like that. They could not care less. This was all for, you know, ego... Uh, status and all that kind of good stuff, hosting it, look at our stadiums, showing off. I mean, that's what it all was. I mean, they don't care about the money. They're not doing this for the money. So if, you know, you're boycotting it, you're not really taking away anything from Qatar unfortunately. Uh, boys is like boycotting now is too late. We were talking about this earlier. I mean, the boycotting could have only happened if players were on board and like international different federations were on board. Absolutely. And it didn't happen and i don't know it's kind of not fair when we were talking about this earlier i think megan was saying you know like it's and i agreed with her that it's not really fair to expect the players who wait for this for so long to boycott something that they had no say in. it's not like they were like let's go to qatar i mean if you ask these guys none of these guys want to do this right now either uh but i think what they can do is probably um you know, at least talk about it as much as possible while they're there because they're not going to get arrested, right? They're not going to be thrown in jail if they go over there and talk about like the rights that are getting violated over there and what happened when they were building these stadiums and stuff like that. I think that's what I kind of want to see now. I understand you could not before take a stance and said, you know what, fuck you guys and I'm not going. I understand you; they couldn't do that. And a lot of players could not afford to do that because this might be the only World Cup they play and I understand that. Um, that's when you need your so-called superstars to step up. Because I know if Mbappe said something like that, the whole world would stop. Or if Messi said something like that, the whole world would stop. I mean, I was saying earlier, like in the Discord channel, if Jota says, I'm not playing, they'll be like, that's cool. You know, they'll be like, fine. But if Ronaldo says, I'm not going, it would be a whole different ballgame. That's when the superstars could have used their power. They didn't. But I hope now... They kind of like constantly voice it because you're already here in Qatar paying people off to be snitches at the same time, getting free tickets so that they can snitch on the people who are talking against or maybe broadcasting, filming stuff and all that kind of shit. Um, so I'm hoping the players use the platform now. Now you're there. You're not going to be sent home. Nothing is going to happen to you. Qatar is not going to freaking arrest you because you said something. I think this is a good opportunity for, I wish Ox was there, but this is a good opportunity for them to kind of like at least voice the, this pleasure of having it where it's at. And I don't care about, you know, the time I don't care about, right? I mean, if this is the only time we could have it there, and they deserve a World Cup or whatever. I don't care. If that's what happened, it is what it is. This whole complaining about beer and shit, I couldn't care less about either. It's the country. It's their laws. If you're not, if you don't like it, don't fucking go there. And if you're not a- able to enjoy sports and football without drinking, well, that's your freaking problem. So I don't care about that stuff either. I know a lot of people are complaining about that. That should be the least of your freaking concerns or problems. When you look at all the other stuff that has happened to build these stadiums, of like certain people are treated in that country and the human rights and stuff like that. So you not being able to crack up a cold one as you're watching the game. It's kind of like very trivial to the other shits.
1: I clearly don't like beer, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I like a cold
0: one as much as my, maybe not as much as you, but um, no, clearly, most, clearly not
1: as much as me or Bickler, <laughs> as uh, much as
0: most people. But it's not. No, like, I, I mean, if you go to a country and that's their law, it listen, is what
1: it is. I I've always said this. I uh, you know you know you make fun of me about this, but you know I used to go to a lot of baseball games, and when I was in college, you could get to you could literally get to I could get to Fenway Park in less than an hour. I could buy tickets at like 2 in the morning online in college, and I could pick them up at Fenway Park the next day and see like Pedro Martinez pitch against Roger Clemens in their height. So it was a great experience. It was a great day at the ballpark. That whole time when I was going to four or five baseball games a year, I never drank because at that time it was so expensive. And as a college kid, I saw no reason to like get drunk at a game and then miss things, right? Like constantly getting up and going to get beer, having to go to the bathroom. Um, you know, if you can't drink, you can't drink. That's not the end of the world. The other stuff, obviously, you know, there's some of the things about people being able to be who they are. If they happen to be part of the LGBTQ community, um, people not being able to have sex. I, I, I think there are some awkward <laughs> rules and regulations. Then again, If you decide to go to a place outside of your own comfort zones, then you adhere to it, right? Like I went to Mexico in college with a bunch of dudes partying. And you know what I had to remind myself every 15 minutes? You're in fucking Mexico, asshole. (laughs) Don't get in trouble. Because if you get in trouble, shit's going to go down poorly. And that's probably what's going to happen to people who travel over to Qatar. There are rules. If you are willing to put yourself in that situation, I would not be one of those people. Because, well, I'm hooked Wait, to this it, mouth. So,
0: I, I miss this maybe. It, not having sex is part of the rules?
1: Uh, you're not supposed... Well, you're not supposed to have sex with any... I mean, only people that are married are supposed to have sex. So, they're supposed oh, to be like okay, no...
0: Okay. I mean, that's kind of hard to monitor, isn't it? Like,
1: Well, I... <laughs> They're going to monitor. Oh, boys will find
0: a way. You'll you'll find find a way, boys. Don't worry about it.
1: They're using COVID (laughs) apps to monitor, like, what people are going and where they're walking and who they're talking to. Like, they're going to be monitoring everything. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. We got action in room 305.
0: Deploy the forces.
1: (laughs) Dude, you think it's crazy, man. Like... (laughs) I can imagine you ever been in a hotel and like out of nowhere, the thing just starts like telling you that like don't worry, you don't have to leave the building, but there's a smoke alarm going off in the seventh chapter of the seventh quarter, but this is working. I can see it now. It's like wing seven oh five <laughs> six on floor three, room six, nine, eleven. And wait, I did just do that. <laughs> I didn't even mean so to. I oh, shit. Um, but listen. Snitches are going to snitch. And you know what? When you have full government control this far along, this is what you get. And to the people who wanted to say this was all Greece, this was money, this was corrupt, of course it goddamn was. But so was Brazil, so was South Korea, so was China, and so was Brazil. They're all corrupt at some levels. Everything was about the money. You follow the money in this sport, you'll usually find a couple dirty, shitey people, right? And then you'll usually find a couple bags of more cash. And unfortunately, these weren't bags of cash. These were literally boatloads of cash, like the size of a desert. And they just dropped it in the middle of Qatar. And then so, everyone was so just supposed to... the ratings are
0: not going to make a huge dance in that, I would say. <laughs> the
1: They're ratings like, are going hey, to be... The
0: commercials, we need the commercials.
1: And the ratings will be through the roof. You know why? Because people talk about boycotting. Nobody actually does. Everyone was going to stop watching NFL games when the players were kneeling for the anthem. President was screaming at people. You know what happened? NFL ratings went up. Yep. This year, NFL ratings going up. And guess what? This World Cup will be watched more than the last World Cup. And the I next world cup,
0: so as well, will be you know, too. Sparky says, You know, every country has problems and issues. And, like I say, I mean, the I agree, that is as sad as it is. We're probably used to the corrupt part of the ordeal, right? I mean, we've accepted money and corruption into our sports, unfortunately. Uh, but I think the, the parts that bug me are more like on how these stadiums are built, like the equal rights they provide or they don't provide and stuff like that. And now that I found out the no sex thing, I guess I'm going to have to boycott too. What the hell? Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's, but you're right. Once the game starts, we will start talking about the games. I will have a partial guilt probably knowing. I. That's why I hope players ease that guilt by kind of like speaking out. Um, I mean, I hate him with a passion. Uh, Bruno Fernandez, for example, uh he did a good job thing yesterday which is like you know rare for me to appreciate what he does but just need a lot more of that just need a lot of people saying it's because the least he can do the whole point of boycotting would be to bring attention to it i don't think it'll be as effective for one because i don't think you're making an impact if the whole goal is to bring attention to it i think players speaking out is probably the best way to go about it really
1: it's a good job by Bruno Fernandez, honestly. I'm happy that you mentioned it. Um, the points were very, very strong. I also think I also <laughs> think that
0: like I don't know if you I saw what
1: I saw that Marky says just told the wife
0: we can't have sex for six weeks. I just want to know how she took the good news.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say if I told my wife that, she'd say, Can the World Cup be extended? How long can we roll the World Cup on for? How about we do the like, Premier hey. League as well? <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, can we do this until um, mm, mm, I find someone better? No, whoa, hoops. Um, no, in all seriousness, I, I do believe that this World Cup will have kind of some of the ebbs and flows of the emotional roller coaster. But when it all comes down to it, we need a player or two of big stature to speak. And I'm not sure. This is the part that scares me. I'm not sure that the biggest, maybe the most known player that is going to speak might've spoke yesterday. Like, cause I think Jordan Henderson will say some damning things when he's over there. I think he'll speak up for himself cause he is a leader of England, but Harry Kane isn't going to speak up. Messi's not going to speak up. Ronaldo is just going to sign checks for appearances. Probably he ain't going to speak up. So, It'll get lost. Mbappe isn't going to speak up, right? It's It'll get lost if it's just the smaller players talking about it, bench yes. players. And it has to be some of the star players. And to be honest, I wish it was some of the star managers and some of the star leaders, coaches, because there are some of them that are in positions of power and important names. You know, Hansi Flick is respected in the game as a German national team manager. Uh, Totti is... is is respected in brazil like there are people that could say things will they i don't believe they will and that's the scary part they're all just waiting because they don't want to upset uefa because and they don't want to upset fifa because they want that next job right They, they all like the idea of becoming the ambassador for fifa for uruguay someday and it the money that comes with that and it's just follow the money people and when you follow the money in this sport you usually find powerful people making decisions that don't really care about supporters that purely care about making more money. And I just think that's why this World Cup is in a tough spot. And I I, I got to just watch it for the love of the football and not the corruption of the federations because they're all corrupt. Every single federation, oh, yeah. oh, every yeah. one of these groups. I mean... They sent money from America. Obviously,
0: when and there's a lot of money involved. So whenever there's a lot of money involved, you are going to have that corruption. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Next week, we'll get our uh, the moral compass of our show. Uh, Bickler's opinion on this.
1: Oh, oh yes, yes, <laughs> it's, it's a lowball. So it is a low His answer bomb. is <laughs> his answer is is don't worry. I don't have to boycott much. I don't watch the shit anyways. But yeah, I know he watches we have, the World
0: Cup. I know Boaz was asking about it earlier. We will set up our Polish princes on it as we speak. Uh, we will set up some kind of like a bracket or something like that. We can follow along to and oh. our contributors as well as our regulars. Uh, we'll post the link on our Facebook page. And then we'll probably share it over here during the week. I will probably share it in the morning shows and stuff like that as well. So that we can be wrong in the global scale yeah. not only the premier. I was going to say so okay. you can have
1: so we can have a competition that allows you to come in week in and week out and make fun of my picks like like anything else it's great hey, like my fantasy hey, team? The more appreciate the it. more
0: content's for me the better is the way I look at it. But appreciate that, it as always for those comments and listening. Do us a huge favor, give us a like, give us a share, help us spread the word and we will be back next Monday. We'll see if Bickler is back his here is chicagoland stories and then we'll start talking a lot more probably about the world cup teams and stuff like that thanks again everybody and see you guys next week take care